Welcome to episode 12 of That Classical Podcast. This time, female composers. Hello! Hello! Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Chris Bland. And I'm Kelly Harlock, and you are listening to That Classical Podcast. Yes, you are! Yet again, hopefully. <laughs> if it's your first time, welcome. Uh, today it's episode 12, and we are going to be talking about female composers. Oh. And if you've been listening to us um, and following us on our journey, you will know that we haven't really talked about them. We, no. we haven't really included... We've included one woman in 11 episodes. Yeah, and otherwise it's just been old white and, guys. Yeah, old, old dead white dudes. Um, and Some of them have still been alive. You know Quality. what? We, we love the music of those old dead white dudes, but we also... They're not the only people <laughs> who exist in the world. Exactly. Um, Chris, why don't you tell us a bit about why we don't hear a lot about women composers? Well, yeah, so the reason we haven't touched on loads of them yet is because just numerically there are fewer because, I mean, I don't know if you know this, Kelly, but historically women <laughs> didn't really get that much of a fair shake compared um, to men in lots oh of fields. Oh my God, I've never heard that before in my life. Yeah, and so in researching this episode, um, I was obviously looking up a bunch of awesome different composers who happened to be women, mm-hmm. and... Um, the sentence I read most often was, very little of their music still remains. So basically, oh, they weren't allowed to be composers, right. um, and what they did write wasn't really kept much for posterity. So we, this is, I think, is going to tie in a bit to yeah. you talking about your first composer. But mm. um, So one sort of prime example of uh, a slightly more famous uh, female composer is Clara Schumann. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a fantastic composer, mm. um, but largely lost a lot of confidence in her mid-thirties. Yeah. Um, And the horrible quote, she says, I once believed that I possessed a creative talent, but I have given up this idea. A woman must not desire to compose. There has never yet been one able to do it. Should I expect to be the one? Uh. Above, I think, you know what? I I think although these women were incredibly intelligent and incredibly fiercely talented, they were still products of their time in terms of what they were being told by people and... Obviously, as we know, that that can really affect you and it can really affect your self-confidence. And um, I'm sure, you know what, I'm sure there were many women who wrote under the name of a man um, and maybe, you know, Mm. and and maybe so many more women that we've never heard of that were really wonderful as well, which seems a shame. Um, We're going to try and redress the balance a bit and turn our our gaze onto some women who wrote some beautiful, beautiful music. Indeed. And And we're going to start... Right at the beginning. <laughs> We're so pro. I was like, and Kelly, why don't you start us? <laughs> She's so just going to go for it. We're in sync. Um, like many women out there. Um, <laughs> so uh, you may have heard of this first uh, this first wonderful lady. She's called Hildegard von Bingen or Hildegard of Bingen, basically. <laughs> I actually haven't really heard of her. Tell me more. Okay, so we are going way, 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 way back. She was born in 1098. Oh, wow. She died in 1179. And um, she was actually, she's also known as Saint Hildegard. She's a saint. And not only was she a bloody amazing composer, she was, so she was a German Benedictine abbess. And she was a writer, and she was a philosopher, and she was considered to be the founder of scientific natural history in what? Germany. What? Yeah. Who ran the world? <laughs> That's Girls. huge. Um, and she was just really multi-talented. Um, let, let me go on. So <laughs> Please do. She also wrote a ton of sort of theological and botanical and medicinal texts. Mm. And she, but obviously, like, music, I think, is also what she's 
most recently been remembered for. But interestingly, some of the early feminists used, used her as a sort of example of why women should be allowed to go to medical school. You know, they used oh, her really? as an example, okay. which, I, which I love as well. But let me tell you a bit about a bit about Hildy. Let's call her Hildy. I like that. <laughs> in an entirely non-patronising way. <laughs> so, as I said, she, yes. um, she was born in 1098, right? So that was a while ago. Her parents' names. Okay, listen to this. Her dad was... Mechthild of Merxheim, Nahet, and her mum was Hildebert of Burmersheim. Great, right? Great Those names. sound like perfectly normal German names right. to me. What are you talking about? Right. And um, <laughs> basically, she was pretty special because from a young age, she I think from the age of three or four, she experienced visions, right? Whoa. Big old visions. And I don't think they were like botanical visions. I don't think she had just like <laughs> these dreams about like cabbages and stuff like this. Um, they were sort of of God... And she imagined nice. God as this enormous, like, fiery cosmic egg that was huge. So <laughs> you do you, Hildegard. <laughs> you, you live your truth. Um, but basically her parents were like, oh, she's special. And basically forced her to, well, they kind of gifted her as a present to an abbey. Oh, amazing. Right? And, um, yeah, to a monastery, sorry. Yeah. And um, she was basically, like, committed to the church from like a very young age sure. and did loads of great stuff there. So um, in terms of music, she wrote loads of things and actually has one of the largest repertoires amongst kind of medieval composers. Oh, really? All. Okay. What so sort she, of stuff was she writing? I think she just wrote a whole bunch of stuff, really. <laughs> a whole um, bunch of different It's definitely stuff. Worth, worth looking into it. Um, and yeah, and she's been in kind of popular popular culture quite recently. She's there's been films made about her, BBC mm. kind mm. of dramatizations. There's been a graphic novel written about her, oh, baby. which I'm dying to read. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's great. So today we're going to listen to one of her pieces that I found quite by accident. Mm. Um, it's called Ancient Sweet. And now, did she call it ancient at the time? Because I... that would have been <laughs> presumably we only think it's ancient now let because me, it... <laughs> let me lay it out for you. So I think what's happened in this case is that um, it's been sort of arranged for a clarinet. So there's a very yeah. famous clarinetist. The clarinets did not exist back in no. 1098. Um, it's called Mar- he's, he's called Martin Frost and he's kind of arranged yeah. it and combined it with a sort of Gregorian chant. Hmm. But um, Hildy is still very much in there and I think it's a really stunning and quite haunting piece um, that really takes you back. Grand. A thousand years. Um, <laughs> I remember it well. And such yeah. nostalgia for the eleven hundreds. <laughs> Those salad days. <laughs> um, so yeah, here we go. Hope you enjoy.
Hilde von B. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was very nice. I mean, obviously mm. that was, a, I guess, a modern reworking yeah. of clarinet yeah. um, interposed on top. But mm. um, no, very nice. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I, I like it. And I think <laughs> it's not your... I feel like Gregorian chanting things can be quite dull. And <laughs> um, that was sort of pushing the boundaries of, of that genre, which I, I just really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what the interesting thing about Hildegard was that, like, similarly to what you said about Clara Schumann, mm. she didn't really, she was quite down on herself. She always kind of referred <laughs> to herself as uneducated and unlearned and sort of, you know, butter woman. And I think she, she was quite... like she was incredibly she was, learned. Yeah, I know. And, and exactly. But because she hadn't had the kind of normal kind of education that the sort of upper classes had had, mm, mm. I think she felt that... And, um, yeah, she was always quite dismissive of, of women generally. Um, so, yeah, another case of just being a product of her time, but also being, you know, prodigiously talented. Yeah, and, um But, yeah, so she's definitely, you know, if you like that sort of style of music, the kind of very old school. Um, Real super, super, super old yeah, school. Yeah, um, please do look her up. She's got a really, she's got about 70, 70 pieces that she wrote. Mm, so okay. um, dive in and, yeah, enjoy. Bad Classical Podcast. Right, next up is me. We're moving forward a few hundred years now from your 1100s. Spoil sport, yeah. Uh, to a composer called Fanny Mendelssohn. Fanny, um, excellent. <laughs> let's get out of the way now. Let's get out of the way. Look, Fanny is a hilarious it's word. It's a really funny word. And that is that. Go. <laughs> okay. So, she uh, was born 1805, died 1847. Okay. And you might recognise her surname. Yes, Mendelssohn. I do. Yes, yes. So the quote-unquote more famous Mendelssohn was mm. her younger brother Felix, mm. uh, who we know from he wrote music for Midsummer Night's Dream, wrote a ballet. Uh, course, he's got yeah. a big famous violin concerto. Yeah, yeah. He wrote lots and lots of big pieces of music right. and is rightly celebrated as a great composer sure, in his own right. Totally. However, his sister, Fanny, was in her own right a fantastic, fantastic composer. Great. So in her lifetime she composed over four hundred and sixty different pieces of music. Stop it. Yeah. Mostly um piano pieces. Basically women just weren't really allowed to write symphonies oh or God. anything bigger. They right, weren't like yeah. taken seriously. Right. So they were very much restricted. Can't to, be trusted like, with a clarinet. Don't well, know they what were, their like, female to... mind will do. <laughs> To sort of domestic music, basically. So right. she wrote largely piano pieces, so right. stuff that could be played with chamber ensembles. Uh, lots of what she did was songs, and so many of her piano pieces are subtitled Lied ohne Wörter, Song Without Words, basically. Oh, okay. Um, so she was, to put it bluntly, a real, real victim of sexism oh, throughout God, all of her life. Funny. So, by all contemporary accounts, she was just as good, in fact, probably better than Felix as a musician. She was like this real virtuoso Classic. pianist from um, from day one, basically. Mm. So, she, both of them, uh, were accepted into a conservatoire in Berlin. Oh, God. And the head of the conservatoire uh, was like, oh, this child, Fanny Mendelssohn, she's really something special. Mm. Uh, and then later in life, even paid her the highest compliment, writing in a letter that she plays like a man. Oh, <laughs> the yeah, highest possible well, compliment. Well done, thanks. Yeah, that's great. But, but slightly backhanded compliment aside, she was sort of everyone knew she was the real deal. Okay. She was like an exceptional musician. Wow. However, oh, God. <laughs> because obviously uh, prevailing social mores meant mm. that she was sort of restricted to the piano music mm. and the sort of smaller scale stuff. Mm. And her father particularly didn't encourage her at all. He sort of more tolerated rather than encouraged her playing. Mm. Um, so her father wrote... 
to her, not not just in a letter, he wrote specifically to her uh, in what year was it? It was in 1820. Um, that music will perhaps become his, i.e. Felix, will perhaps become his profession, while for you, it can and must only be an ornament. Was he in the next room when he wrote this? <laughs> Probably, <yeah. laughs> Is it like the passive-aggressive text that you can't <laughs> bear to say in person? Um, what yeah. a shame. Can I ask, sorry, before you continue, you know you said that she wrote sort of hundreds of pieces. Yeah. Are they still around, or did we lose a chunk of them? So lots of them are. I don't think we have all of them. Okay. The problem is that lots of stuff that she wrote... Uh, some of it was published under Felix's name. For God's sake! So lots of this was by like common agreement because she was like, well, yeah, my music will get a bigger audience mm. if it's published under your name, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But mm. led to an amazing situation that I read about <laughs> while I was researching this. Mm. Um, in one of uh, sort of ostensibly Felix's compendium of songs that he'd written, he was visiting okay. the UK, mm-hmm. uh, had a meeting with Queen Victoria. As you do. And she was like, ah, oh, yes, this one piece that you've written, that's my absolute favourite. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> And he had to, like, awkwardly admit to her that it wasn't him, but actually Fanny had but written it's it. It's really good that he did. Yeah, Like, true. He, he did not have to do he that. He did not have to do that. Um, um, wow. So let's now, in fact, just listen to a piece that she wrote. Please, um, yeah. Just to show off, like, how awesome she was. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we don't know for certain, but we can kind of assume that she was really good at piano because lots of the stuff she wrote was, like pretty virtuosic okay great so what we're going to listen to now is uh, a piano sonata that she wrote a piano sonata in g minor okay. and we're going to listen to the last movement of it all right can't wait
Christ on a bike. It's good, isn't it? Um, it was really good. You know what? I was started listening to that with a kind of pe- like a, a, as a pianist, thinking mm. that left hand sounds so difficult. It's yeah. I I think the, the, obviously the performer there was was very very talented, but and I think they made it sound a lot easier than it really was because mm. like, that is a very complicated <laughs> piece. Yeah, and it's this sort of incredibly dense texture of just loads of yeah. interweaving well, it stuff. It sounds like two pianos time. sometimes. It's really cool, isn't um, it? Which you know really puts across how talented she was. She was to, really, to really write, good at the to old write piano. and to play it. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, she was fab. So she and Felix, um, they not quite worked together. But she gave him feedback on lots of his work, basically. That he loved of, that. Well, like they they did generally <laughs> collaborate sister, at points. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, privately he was like broadly supportive of her as a musician and composer yeah. and stuff. Mm. But um, got another great sexist quote coming for you. Go for Are it. You excited. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's a bit worried about her publishing things under her own name. So he said, "From my knowledge of Fanny, I should say that she has neither inclination nor vocation for authorship. She is too much all that a woman ought to be for this." She regulates her house and neither thinks of the public nor of the musical world, nor even of music at all, until her first duties are fulfilled. Publishing would only disturb her in these, and I cannot say that I approve of it. So basically, like, you can clean a house. Why would you want to do anything else? Oh, my yes, God. exactly. Cross stitch. And, um, oh, God. So all this. Absolute rubbish aside, Christ. it's amazing that she wrote as much as she Jesus, did. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> um, I honestly think that is just... Yeah, well, good it's for her that but she pushed and, and did as much as she could. She was... I mean, as we've heard, she obviously was a bit restricted to chamber music, but she did a damn good job you know, of it, I think. And you know what? I think it really also betrays a lot that her brother... You know, you just said, you know, Felix was, you know, quite supportive, and that was the supportive <laughs> side of things. That's the level of support. You know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. that is, is really shocking. So Fanny, well done. You did great. <laughs> and uh, I'm definitely gonna, you. I'm gonna listen to more. You should, sure. yeah. Sexism is going to play a slightly less of a role okay. um, in our in our chats um, because we're moving towards uh, the 20th century. Well, okay. we're, we're in the 20th century. And as we know, all sexism stopped in the <laughs> 20th century. It was totally fine. This is fine. Um, so we're so yeah, to be do- clear, like sexism obviously did play a part in the oh, yeah. careers from now on, but like but less le- I mean, overwhelmingly exactly. oppressively. So yeah. So we're going to talk about. Uh, a woman called Germaine Taillefer. Is she French? She is French. Oh, la, la. She is Parisienne. Um, and uh, she was born in 1892. Mm-hmm. Um, died 1983. Great innings. Um, <laughs> and she was sort of composing around, well, from the sort of 20s, 30s sure. onwards, really. Sure. And um, she was part of, of she, she was a composer in her own right, but also was part of a group of composers in Paris in the 20s and 30s called Les Six, right? Okay. And this was a group of six French composers who worked in uh, Montparnasse, so, uh, which was sort of the intellectual and creative heart of Paris mm-hmm. in the 1930s, mm-hmm. full of painters and sculptors oh, and, nice. and writers. And, oh, what a know. time to be alive, oh, right? Oh my Paris God, could you imagine oh, all the complex the philosophical debates you would have had in cafes? And absinthe. And 
crazy absinthe party. Um, so basically their, their music was seen as a reaction against the musical styles of Wagner and mm. or, or the impressionism of Debussy. It was it was sort of a reaction, oh, nice. okay. reactionist kind of group of people. So um, Les Six, they were called, and the members were Georges Auric, Louis Dury, Arthur Onegger, <laughs> Darius Milo, Francis Poulon, and Germain. Germain from the Flight of the Concords. Have you watched the Flight of the Concords? <laughs> yeah. nice. um, and so I don't know if you've heard of them. But, yeah, so um, I've heard like Milo and Poulon. Great, yeah. nice. Um, so basically, the, the, the term Les Six was 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 coined because this critic. There were six of them. There were six. <laughs> but basically, there there had been. Um, before that time in the sort of 1850s to the 1870s a group of Russians called the Five Russians or the Mighty Handful <gasps> like the Mighty Handful like, like a double D's I don't know um, <laughs> but um, you can you can you can google that and basically this no, don't google Mighty no, Handful double D's <laughs> okay maybe not maybe not um, but so this this French critic was sort of comparing these six um, Frenchies to um, these five great Russian composers. Mm-hmm. So that's where it was sort of coined. And, and really, they were only joined together as six because they appeared on the same kind of programs together. Okay. Um, and because they were sort of mates. That was literally, yeah, that was enough, kind yeah. of it. And um, they were sort of doing stuff together for about 36 years, but th- but they weren't necessarily collaborating on pieces. They were just kind of okay so it's like a loose a collective of, they, exactly. they worked in parallel rather than exactly together. that's right. right they did work together about six times um but yeah not not sure. normally sure. so J- J- i keep wanting to call her germain 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 um wrote germain germain uh, she wrote quite a few things you know um a really lovely piano concerto she wrote um mm. she wrote operas she wrote an opera of the little mermaid oh, yeah amazing. um and really stunning pieces for the harp actually really worth delving into her um repertoire actually or nice. you know really yeah. good and um today what are you gonna play for us today so today we're going to hear um a piece for string quartet Ooh. called modere and uh yeah it's just two violins a viola and a cello it was written in 1921 um, and I just really like it. To me, it sounds very modern indeed. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, let, let's give it a whirl. Fab.
Yeah, I really like that. So what I was particularly enjoying when I was listening to it then is, as you said, it sounds like very much. It's, it's radically different to lots of previous string right? chamber writing. And yeah. I think the beginning almost makes you think, oh, it's just going to be a, a same old kind <laughs> of string quartet. But then somehow she kind of, and but she she goes kind of discordant at points, but then still makes it very melodic and quite beautiful. Yeah, I think the, the what she's doing is obviously harmonically really interesting. But the thing that really struck me then was the the texture of it. So right. the 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 way that the individual parts are written and linked together is what I mean when I talk about texture. Sure. Um, and that, I mean, I don't know enough about um, string playing to comment exactly on what's going on, but it just sort of, right. it's just got a very different feel to it. Like the way the, the interplay of parts is very different to say like. Uh, a Shostakovich string quartet sure. or like uh, Tchaikovsky's Souvenir de Florence that we played on the podcast before right, yeah, it's yeah. so so different to that it's yeah. almost for me it almost sounds it, the reason it sounds modern to me is because it sounds like quite almost like mathematically done like like almost mm. minimalist in terms of sort of everything has it's I see a lot of squares while I listen to that. Do you know what I mean? Just in yeah. terms of sort of, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just talking total crap here, but th- that's what I really love about it. Lovely. So, Taifel, was she the uh, only woman in the group? She was, or? yeah. So, I mean, that that was pretty great. And, okay. um, and yeah, I I think I'll be listening to a lot more of her pieces and hmm. um, also just discovering more about Lysis as well. You know, they sound like yeah. they were an interesting group of people. Like a mighty handful. And, yeah. And, um, you know, she, yeah, she was the only woman in Lysis, but also she was very good friends with Ravel, you know, mm. Maurice. Maurice, I know well. we've talked about him. And I think he was, you know, spurring her, her on a lot at that time okay. as well. She wrote things for the Ballet Russe. Oh, you know, Diaghilev, who commissioned a lot yeah, of stuff, yeah. um, was commissioning things from her as well. And yeah, she, she did incredibly well for that time. And Fun. she really, you know... Um, destroyed the kind of boundaries that I think a lot of other women had yeah, seen before definitely, that definitely. so yeah really interesting right awesome I'm going to definitely listen to some more of that great so last week we talked about a big Finnish dog do you remember <laughs> do I Yes. Well, today I've got another rather large Finnish canine for you. Amazing. I love Finnish pooches. Great. Um, so now we're talking about a fantastic composer called Kaya Sariaho. I've never heard of her. Have you not? No. Oh, no. she is good. Okay. Um, so she was born in 1952. She's still alive, still Woo-hoo! alive and kicking. Well done. Um, so her work is like, it's pretty off-the-wall sort of stuff. I like it already. So just to give you like a brief rundown of, of her history, she uh, was born and grew up in Finland, mm-hmm. uh, but then in the 1980s she moved to Paris. There's a, an institute there called the Institute for Acoustic Research and Coordination, um, which is next to the Pompidou Centre in central Paris. All right. And basically, so she went there into this like underground bunker and okay. surrounded herself with like synths and computers and stuff. So she studied like computer music basically right. and is slash was one of the first composers to combine live instruments and electronics and live performance. Oh, that's sick. So lots of what she did was like just amazing like explorations into and, yeah. sound itself. So she, um, a lot of what was popular in sort of the mid 20th century was uh, serialism. We'll talk about oh, that another God. time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which sort of rejected traditional notions of like tonality and yeah. harmony and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And she was like, well, this is all a bit silly, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just sort of negate for her, negating lots of what was good about music. So she really went into sound and into uh, what's called spectralism, 
God bless so, you. So, like, scientific analysis of, like, the, like, spectral qualities okay, of the sound. Right, like, yeah, so got it, really, got really it. super scientific. Got it. Like, far beyond my pay grade. <laughs> like, I have, <laughs> I have very little clue what's going on. Going very well. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, the 1980s uh, was when she was studying there and was pioneer- pioneering all this kind of brand new stuff um so the piece that we're going to listen to today is called jardin secret so secret Secret garden Garden one One. Mm. um and she wrote three pieces all called jardin secret un deux trois hashtag Um, french juice yes carry on (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and because they're all made with the same synthesizer Mm -hmm. which is called like the chant synthesizer or probably the chant synthesizer for god's sake yeah it, it might be French, <laughs> not. the chant a synthesizer synthesizer as they say <laughs> keep going keep going um yeah so i think let's just listen to it and see what oh, you make I'm of it so excited. <laughs> okay let's go let's do it understand it yeah and i'm trying to understand it as a piece of classical music yeah and i can sort of see she's sort of she's broken down the kind of instruments into just sort of sounds and sort yeah. of textures hasn't yeah. she and you can kind of hear a kind of kind of melody mm. although melody is kind of a stretch <laughs> and like i i get it 
I don't think I would listen to that of an afternoon. It's not but, like chill out. But <laughs> it's like, I think it's important to hear pieces like that and to understand that, that w- why the composer has made them yeah. and, and what she's doing. I think there was there's, there's method in her madness, one might say. And um, I mean, that was what, ni- that was like the late 90s, that one, was it? Or no, what? that was uh, 1985. 19, okay, so yeah. mid 80s, that's kind of cool. That's totally, that's very different to what was mm. happening in, in almost every yeah. way musically yeah. in the 80s. So yeah, I think I'm on very much the same page as you, whereby yeah. I... <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily choose to listen to a whole album but, of it, but, it's, but I'm really glad that you it exists. It, totally, yeah. No, that's that's quite good. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if yeah, I'm gonna dare to delve into that. So as there's well. other stuff. So that was obviously like fairly synthy, electronicy, mm-hmm. pretty much wholly. Um, there's all sorts of stuff. She's written loads of stuff for like solo cello and for flute, and okay. she's written an opera as well, actually. A space opera. <laughs> which was given its first performance in America, the Metropolitan Opera in New York. Oh, amazing. Uh, 1st of December 2016, so really recently, no actually. Um, so the opera's called L'Amour de Loin, um, the first opera composed by a woman performed at the Met since 1903. No. Is that really true? Yeah, and the second one ever written by a woman. Wow, that's yeah. that's a bit horrifying. Um, In December of 2016. You know what? Bonkers. I would be fascinated to hear that opera. I would be fascinated to it's hear what she's Spotify. done. Yeah, it's on Spotify. I'm going to definitely take a look then, I think. Um, but wow, thank you so much. That was such an interesting way to end, <laughs> end our piece. You're very welcome. Yeah, great. Please leave us a five-star review. Please leave us a five-star review. Please leave us a five-star review. Right, well, I'm glad we solved the problem of sexism and classical music. <laughs> that was easy. We did it, guys. Yes. Um, you know what? This has been... I, Chris and I have been planning on doing this since we started the podcast. Yeah. I think this is something we talked about even before we did the first episode, was we have to definitely do several episodes on women. Um, and we will. We, we should just include them we, more, I you think. Know, it's, it, is, it is. But, you know, unfortunately, there are so many dudes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the dudes are also great. So we can't just stop doing those as no, well. Of course. Of course. Um, but we're definitely going to try and include more women. And we hope that you've enjoyed it. And please mm-hmm. go, go out there and tell us about your favourite female composer. Exactly. We would get love to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really great. We would love that. Um, How can they get in touch with us, Kelly? I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, here we go. Okay, first of all, let's start, with the, let's start with the easy ones. Go on. Facebook. We're on Facebook. That Classical Podcast. Easy. We're on, like it. We're on Twitter, at That Classical. Easy. Follow it. We're on Instagram, at That Classical Insta. Easy. Have, follow it. Uh, you can email us uh, at thatclassicalemail at gmail.com. So easy. Send us a blooming email. Right. And most importantly... If you've listened to this episode or maybe another episode as well and you've enjoyed it, we would absolutely love it if you left us a review on iTunes. It's really important for us to hear your feedback this way. Um, give us a cheeky little five-star review. Why not? Why and not? Um, it will really, it makes such a difference to us and we really appreciate it. And um, yeah. Thanks very much for We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.